Do you remember how weird growing up and maybe up until now, we believed and still probably believe that all characters in the Bible are white? Have you ever taken notice that most times a portion of the Bible is adapted into a movie, the actors used to portray characters like Jesus, Moses, David, Mary and so on We are always white? Oh, except Simon of Cyrene who helped Jesus carry his cross on his way to Golgotha. I mean, it seemed logical to at least use a black person to portray that character in movies since Cyrene was an ancient Greek city on the North African coast near present-day Shahat, a town located in northeastern Libya. How did that always make you feel? Have you ever given that a thought? Well, personally, I've thought about it and this makes me feel not represented. It's like reading the Bible through an unconscious, deep-rooted white supremacy, if you get what I mean. So what that meant for me was that each time I read the Bible, the characters are automatically white in my imagination. I was so happy when I came across one of Only Love Austin's blog posts. As I read more of her articles, I was like, whoa, hold on. I should have her on this podcast to share more on uncovering black biblical destiny with you because I can't just be the only one being transformed by the truth she knows and shares with her online and offline community. Only Love Austin points you to the truth that most biblical characters were black through research and archaeological findings. Some of the questions I asked during our conversation were, is Jesus a black man? If yes, what Bible evidences show that? What is the biblical response to colorism and is it true some or most of the lost tribes of Israel? in Africa. You know those people that once they carry someone's baby, they start to say things like, oh, she's so cute, my ovaries, and then they proceed to kiss the baby on the forehead or on their eyes. Why are you kissing the baby? Why? Research has shown that babies are at high risk of getting a herpes infection from kisses, especially if you have a cold sore on your lips. What is your problem? If you want a baby, go and get yours. It is not cultures at all to kiss a child that is not yours. Yeah, the common sensory segment of this episode had me examining the senses of people that do this. While in the reality check segment, I brought out this question that has been trending on WhatsApp. I gave my own opinion when I read out the question and I also left the floor open to hear your opinion on this. I'd really love to hear your opinion on this issue. Like, it's it's crazy. So, you know what you would do for me? Just um, grab a popcorn or maybe just lie on your bed or your pyjamas and listen. you love this episode. This is the Calm Down Podcast, a reminder that we all have to take it one day at a time in our journeys, check up on our friends, and observe simple cuts. There are three segments to this podcast, which are the issues segment, where a topic is brought to the table and tackled, the reality check segment, where we check up on each other, and finally, the common sense rule segment, where we are reminded of simple cuts we might have forgotten or oblivious to. I am your host, Viola. I'm an on-air personality, content creator, podcast host, beauty and lifestyle blogger at www.hiswordmybeauty.com. Again, www.hiswordmybeauty.com. (music) 
this is episode 17 of this podcast countdown and i'm so excited like guys we made it to 17 episodes and this means a whole lot for me how are you how are you doing how are you staying sane while indoors i know it's been really really crazy and you know all this whole quarantine and stay indoors and all that i hope you're staying safe i hope you're good i hope you're doing amazing so let's head over to the issue segment of this episode and i'm so excited because i have have an amazing guest like I have an amazing guest on this episode so first of all like we always do I'm going to read out a short bio of this guest just so you know who this guest is what he or she stands for in this case it's a she anyways so our guest is minister only love chica austin so she is a faith-based community organizer minister and author of prophetic whirlwind uncovering the black biblical destiny she's also the founder of her wisdom consulting which focuses on diversity inclusion and gender equality she serves as the faith-based coordinator of the global african business association she's a lover of travel and she has been to switzerland the united kingdom nigeria ghana togo morocco israel the u.s virgin islands puerto rico and the Bahamas. Dedicated to spreading the great news of reconciliation to Yahweh through Yahshua, the Messiah, and restoration of our people's biblical destiny, Only Love is passionate about justice and compassionate towards people. She lives in Harlem, New York, and worships at Bethel, the house of Yahweh in the South Bronx, and comes from a large family whom she loves very much. Her website is propheticwellwind.com. And like I said earlier, I'm so excited about this because we had pretty amazing conversations and we handled some of the topics that people always argue quite a lot. So let's get straight into the interview and have Chika and I over here. I know you're excited for this, right? Yes, yes. Thank you so much for um, for having me. You're Thank welcome. Thank you. All right. Um, I went to your website and it's amazing there. So your website is propheticwhirlwind.com. Do you mind telling us what Prophetic Whirlwind is all about in general? Yes. My name is... Minister Only Love Chica Alston and Prophetic World One was started during Black History Month of 2014 when I did two workshops for the oldest church in New York City on the Black presence and the Old Testament and the Black presence in the New Testament in early church history. Over the um, past six years, Prophetic World One grew to social media pages, um, a website, teaching ministry, a prayer ministry, and actually going to to Israel and various um, African countries to trace the lost tribes of Israel um, in Africa and how they got scattered to the diaspora. So now um, Prophetic World, when in addition to being a teaching ministry that does online and in-person workshops and sermons and articles, um, we have a podcast, Practical Torah. We also have the Wailing Women Prayer Call Weekly, where women from around um, the world get together and pray for our people um, in Africa, in the diaspora. And now, um, it's about a year ago, I published Prophetic Worldwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, a book, and it was published by Voices Publishing. And it's a book that profiles about 15 African tribes and ethno-linguistic groups that trace their origins to the biblical Israelites. And then we go into the hidden Hebrew history of the African-American church 
church and then we look forward about what this means for our relationship with the most high biblical prophecy and doing justice in our community. So Prophetic Whirlwind has now become a ministry, but I, I'm a part of Bethel, the house of Yahweh, as my home congregation. But we also, um, you know, do justice and we support, along with Hebrew Nation Building, about 55 African Hebrew orphanages, congregations, um, and about six African countries and now two Caribbean countries and Fiji. So it started out as just getting invited by some mothers to do a workshop for the Union of Black Episcopalians and Trinity Wall Street Church. And then it, it blossomed into just bigger than what I could ever expect. But that's a little bit about what Prophetic Whirlwind is. And the name comes from a Marcus Garvey speech. Marcus Garvey founded the United Negro Improvement Association or the Universal Negro Improvement Association, excuse me. And that's to date is the largest Black um, organizing group in world history. They had chapters all over the world and the goal was to unite our people around uplifting Africa. But Marcus Garvey had a very strong biblical faith and a lot of black rabbis helped him um, in the organization along with his wife. And so his, one of his last speeches was look for me in the whirlwind. And he talked about our people, you know, being the people of the Bible and Jesus being black. And since I was born on his birthday and I'm, I'm by profession, a faith-based organizer that speech really inspired me and that's what I named the ministry after that's beautiful um you mentioned something while you were talking you said it's also centered around digging deep into the lost tribes of Israel in Africa do you mind elaborating more on that what you mean by the lost tribes of Israel in Africa and where are they in Africa are they everywhere in all the countries in Africa or in some specific countries in Africa well the lost tribes of Israel that phrase is a phrase that a lot of academics and theologians use because when we look in the Bible, um, like in First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, we see that the ten tribes of Israel from the northern kingdom were taken into captivity with Assyria. Now, a few remnant were left behind, but for the most part, those tribes never saw Israel again. And so, when Jesus comes, he's quoted in Matthew as saying, "I come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel," and that that's because, you know, he was from Judah and there were Levites and Judah tribe members and Benjamin in Israel when he was born, but they were still missing the rest of their family from the other tribes. So, but now the term lost tribes of Israel also includes Levites, Judah and Benjamin, because what happened um, by the early first century, Rome constantly conquered Jerusalem, especially in 70 AD and even beyond. And so most of of the biblical Hebrews were either killed, driven out of the land, or ran for their life or enslaved. There are few um, Afro-Palestinians who descend from, you know, the biblical Israelites and certain Palestinians. There's a whole African quarter in Jerusalem that people don't know about. But for the most part, all the biblical Israelites were driven out of Israel. So they're not only in Africa, they're also in Fiji, but the people of Fiji trace their lineage back to the Bantus of Africa, but they are in almost every country in Africa. 
Now, I can't say for certain that they're in every single country, but because of the Bantu expansion and the Bantus being um, Hebrew people, they're in, um, they're almost in every country. Um, many people know about the Ethiopian Jews, and though I do cover Ethiopia in my book, I don't necessarily cover the Falasha, but the Gafat, which are another Ethiopian tribe that are Hebrews. But I really wanted to focus on West Central and South Africa, Southern Africa, because many scholars do not cover the lost tribes of Israel outside of Ethiopia and maybe North Africa when it comes to Africa. They stay in those two spaces. And I wanted to cover Central and West and Southern Africa, which have millions of descendants of the biblical Hebrews. And we know this from um, where the Bible says the people will be. So there is a verse that tells you where, where where the people will be from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my supplicants will bring me offerings or from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. And so scattered is not necessarily you chose to move somewhere. Scattered is like you were thrown there. You had to run for your life. You were sold into slavery there. You were, um, you're all, you're just thrown all around. And even when you look within Africa, many tribes have migrated where they are. Many tribes in Nigeria migrated from North Africa, from the Middle East. And so when we look at a map, if we had a literal map of Africa and we located Ethiopia and the rivers of Ethiopia, and we looked beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, we would hit Central and West Africa. So when you look at the Bible, it tells you where the people will be. And there's many, much more proof than that, but also artifacts, archaeology, like Obugad and Anambra State, Nigeria. Um, Ezi Eri descends from one of Gad's sons named Eri, and many scholars and Jewish rabbis visit him, but they have, and he, I've been to his compound, I've been honored to meet him and be welcomed by him, but in his compound, he has a throne room with a stone throne with Paleo-Hebrew um, writing for gift on it and I've seen it with my own eyes and the first um, slave narrative ever to be written was written by an Igbo prince who was captured into slavery as a little boy Olu Ekwiano and many African Americans learned about him and when you read his slave narrative when he got to was taken to London and he met European Jews for the first time everything he said everything they're doing we did in my village and so there's a lot of documentation that um, from the 1800s, from the early 1900s, that show that there were Jews in Africa. So there's historical documents, there's dissertations written by academics, there's um, genetic knowledge, um, like the Limba of Zimbabwe and South Africa. They had an oral history um, saying they migrated from Israel and that they built the Great Zimbabwe and no one believed them until their DNA was tested by Oxford University. And they had the highest incidence of the Cohen gene, which is the gene for the priest of Israel that goes back to Moses and his brother. They have the highest incidence of that gene among their men than any other um, Jewish men in the world. And so there are documentaries about 
about these facts, there are um, many, many books. I cite each chapter of mine has 10 to 20 or more citations from newspapers where, you know, and so there are lost tribes of Israel descendants in almost every country in Africa, if not every country. And Africa actually has probably a higher percentage of Hebrews than any other continent in the world. Wow, that is huge. From your website, because I love your blog a lot. I actually read it a lot. So you mentioned something and I'm going to quote. And you said there was a sentence that was like this. Understanding the Black foundation of the Bible will deepen and challenge your faith while inspiring you to struggle for biblical justice. Every day, millions of Black people read the Bible, but it is but it is like we're looking in the mirror but can't recognize our own face. I'd love you to like throw more light on what you mean by fighting for biblical justice from, you know, this sentence and, you know, us identifying who we really are and how it's going to be instrumental in us fighting for our biblical justice. Yeah, so kind of... um. For a couple of years, because I come from a background of being an orphan, of my family struggling with homelessness, when I started to pray and read the Bible at 10 years old and then accepted Yahshua, Jesus, as my Savior, I began to notice that in the scriptures, there were a lot of commandments and verses about the orphan, the widow, and the gospel being good news to the poor. That's what Yahshua quoted um, when he started his ministry, and that quote is from Isaiah 61. And so I began begin to see that there was, you know, a call to do justice. Matthew 25 says, you're going to get in the kingdom based on how you treat the least of these. And so when we understand who the least of these are, which um, statistically, you know, when it comes to the highest rates of poverty or the places that have the most, you know, thirst, the most famine, these are places where people who are of African descent live or, you know, these are people of African descent throughout the diaspora. And so there's an anointing, though, on our people to do justice. Most social justice movements, and I know this as someone who's been a professional community organizer for 12 years, most social justice movements, whether it's Tiananmen Square in China, whether it's women's rights in Russia, they, they take inspiration from the Black social justice movements. Of, a, of Dr. King or the whole um, aid, humanitarian aid industry was came from the Biafra War and people helping um, the Igbos when they were starving. Many people don't know that, that the whole humanitarian aid as an industry came out of what happened in Biafra. This just goes to show, and even, I'm sorry, the first nonviolent social movement was not Mahatma Gandhi from India, but it was actually Sheikh Bamba from Senegal who was an African man in the 1800s who led a resistance movement against the French with no violence. And so the we as a people have an anointing on us to worship and to through song, through dance, through playing instruments. And we also have an anointing to do justice and to inspire other people to do justice. And so the more for me, there are many books and many scholars that have been covering um, the blackness of the Bible. But for me, I didn't want to just cover who the you know the past but I wanted us to be inspired to change something about our present and our future because
because once you know who you are, you have to now begin to live the righteousness of God. Okay. Um, as regards Black biblical destiny, does this actually connote that all characters in the Bible were Black? Or is it that most of the characters were Black or some of them were Black? So most of the characters um, would be classified as Black today. I don't say all because when we get to the New Testament, we, you know, we're dealing um, sometimes with people from Greece and Rome. So, but for the most part, especially in the Old Testament um, or the Tanakh, rather, the characters would be classified as Black today. But what people need to know is that in biblical times in the ancient world, you weren't really characterized as by colors like Black, White, Yellow, Red. You were more so characterized by your tribe and your tribe was unique based on the God that you served, the language you spoke, and your culture. But unfortunately, for about the past 500 years, due to systematic and scientific racism, you know, now many people groups are being dumped into black, white, yellow, you know, these crayon box colors that don't say anything about the particular cultures. So sometimes when we would see even different groups of people fighting each other in the Bible, like Moses' sister, prophetess Mariam, not liking Moses' wife, Sephora, we think that's because Mariam was a white Jew and Sephora was a black Ethiopian, but Sephora was actually a Midianite, which is when Sarah died, Abraham got a new wife, Keturah, who was Egyptian. And they had a child named Midian. So Midianites are Egyptians and Hebrews. But all through the Bible, from Joseph and Genesis, all the way to Apostle Paul in the New Testament, Hebrews and Egyptians got mixed up for each other. And the ancient Hebrews were Black and the ancient Egyptians were Black. But, um, you know, Mariam and Sephorah had an issue, not because they were a different race, but because they were different Black ethnic groups. Just like in Africa, you may have two Black tribes that don't like each other for whatever reason. So yes, the Black biblical destiny is the fact that the Hebrew people, the Israelites of the Bible were and are Black and that the only reason God has a chosen people is because humanity fell into sin through Adam and we needed a Messiah to help reconcile us back to God. But as the chosen people, as priests to humanity, we're, we have the ministry of reconciliation, like Apostle Paul talks about, where we help, we are to teach all the nations how to reconcile to Yahweh through Jesus, through Yahshua, um, his Hebrew name. And so that's the Black biblical destiny is that we, though we're lost, now we're being found through, you know, Yahshua and through our history being uncovered in these, um, you know, in this particular part of history, but also just our destiny to help reconcile humanity back to God. So it doesn't mean that we're better than others or that we look down on others. It just, anytime you're chosen, you're not chosen to be better than other people, but you're chosen to do, to serve. And so... Um, that is uh, what the Black Biblical Destiny is. Okay, um, so there is this popular saying that has sparked arguments over time that Jesus is Black, like he, he's a Black man. So is that true? And if what biblical evidence is show that? Because this, you need to see where people are arguing about this. Is it yes. true? So if you look at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1 and Luke 1, you see many Hermetic people, especially Hermetic women. So Noah had three sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Now his three sons weren't three different races, but they did migrate to different places and now today may look different. But many people think 
think only Ham is Black, but there are Black Shemites. And there are documents and resources that say, you know, Abraham, where his people were from, they were Black people. But also, when you look, if everyone agrees Ham is Black, if you see all these Ham Hamitic women in the line of Yahshua in the genealogy like Rahab um, many people say Ruth was black she's in there he would have to be black but also there's a lot of proof that the ancient that the Hebrews were and are black um, one proof is from Hararetz the top Israeli newspaper they did um, a Russian university did a study and a reconstruction of two skulls from 2000 years ago in Judea Judea is where Yahshua was um, from and where he lived. And they, when they reconstructed the male skull and the woman's skull from 2,000 years ago in Israel, they found that both skulls, and this was their words, a, a Russian university academic documentation covered by one of the top newspapers in Israel. It said both skulls had black African features and the woman's features were even more black African than the man. And those could have been, you know, because it was they took the skulls from where Yahshua lived, those could have been his family members, his classmates his friends, you know, though that's how the people look. We have to realize that many of the people who live in the Middle East now are the results of invasions from Greeks and Romans. They're the result of the Arab slave trade, which was before the transatlantic slave trade. And the Arab slave trade didn't only sell Black people, which they sold millions of Southern and Eastern Africans to, you know, the Middle East, Asia, Europe. But they also sold white people, many Eastern European people they kidnapped and sold. And so they brought those people to the Middle East and those white people mixed and took on Middle Eastern culture and took on Islam, but they're technically white. Just because people move somewhere and they live there doesn't mean that they're indigenous to that population. And so we have to understand that until 1869, when the Suez Canal was finished, Israel was connected to Africa. Africa. The Suez Canal severed Israel's physical connection to Africa just so that ships could get through for war and commerce. But the Teutonic plates of Israel and Egypt are still connected. And so until the early 1900s, Israel was referred to as Northeast Africa. It really should be seen as another African country. Madagascar is counted as African as an African country and the people there are black, but it's not even physically connected to Africa. But then you have Israel which was physically connected to Africa and yet we don't count it when it's closer to you it, that because of the biases um, we don't want the Holy Land to be connected to the motherland and so there's a lot of proof historical documents that have been written even letters from tribes in West Africa writing European rabbis saying they were the lost tribes of Israel. One of the first Anglican missionaries to the Igbo people in Nigeria, G.T. Basin wrote in his journals that he felt based on the Old Testament and looking at their culture that they were, you know, a lost tribe of Israel. But when he tried to tell the crown of England that in a letter, he thought he would be celebrated. But instead, he was told, we don't want to hear about that. You just need to make them Christian. So there's been a lot of cover up, a lot of a lot of covering up of this information, but it is coming out. Okay. So from what you're saying is there is a lot of proof, mm -hmm. right? A lot of evidences to prove that Jesus actually has a connection or a lineage of being yes, black, right? Yes, there's a lot of proof that 
he was black when you study who his people were where his family took him when they were hiding him from being killed by Herod when Herod wanted to kill all the little Hebrew boys they took him to Egypt now if you were trying to save your newborn infant's life you no one would take them to where they would stick out like a thumb you would take them to where they could blend in so there's a lot of proof that Jesus is black and unfortunately because of racism we read our scriptures a lot of times through racism or through internalized depression if we're people of color so we really have to not read scripture for what we think it says but to actually read it for what you know it does say okay there's a huge problem of colorism now you know um so what what is the biblical response to colorism because it is a huge problem i've seen people argue on it i've seen people have huge quarrels on that. So what is the biblical response to colorism? Yes. So the biblical response to colorism can be found in Song of Solomon or Song of Song 1, 5 to 6. And this is an example of how the blackness in the Bible has been hidden. So when you read most English Bibles and you go to Song of Songs 1, 5 to 6 or Song of Songs or Song of Solomon 1, 5 to 6, it's the same book, but some Bible have different names it says dark am i but lovely or dark am i yet love daughters of jerusalem dark like the tents of kedar like the tent curtains of solomon do not stare at me because i am dark because i am darkened by the sun my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards my own vineyard i had to neglect now when you say i am dark but lovely or i am dark um yet lovely it's an apology for being dark. But what I learned from Dr. the late Dr. Wynne Wright of Union Theological Seminary, who was the first African-American woman to get a PhD from Harvard in biblical Hebrew, is that the word in Hebrew was for but and the word in Hebrew for and is vav, V-A-V. And so when biblical translators were looking at this text, they had a choice to make when they saw vav. They could translate vav as as but, which is like an apology. Anytime you put but in the sentence, it negates what you said before, or they could translate it and. So saying I'm dark and lovely is a celebration, not an apology for darkness. And because of of systematic racism, Racism, even with Bible translators, they chose most Bible, English Bibles choose to translate it as I am dark, but lovely, or I am dark yet lovely, which makes it almost an apology for being dark. But in the original Hebrew, it was I am dark and lovely, a celebration of darkness. And if that phrase sounds familiar to you, we have a very popular hair care line called Dark and Lovely. And it probably came from this verse. And so I would use, I use this verse to open up a discussion about colorism and how colorism shows up in school suspension rates where dark-skinned girls of any race are, are suspended three times more than their lighter-skinned counterpart, where we talk about dark-skinned men and women and incarceration rates. And we, we look to the scriptures 
as the word of the most high. And so it has a solution for every situation, but we have to read the scriptures and the truth of what they say and not through the traditions of men. Hmm. Wow. This is beautiful. I'm so impressed. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm very curious. Your name is Chika, mm-hmm. right? And I read a little bit about you. You were born in Brooklyn, right? Yes. So, and Chika is an Igbo yes. name. Um, in Igbo, the full name is Chika Dibia, which means God is greater than any other doctor or like God heals more than any other doctor. So what connection does your name Chika have with Igbos? Because, you know, you were born in Brooklyn and I wouldn't say you were, you know, like born here in Nigeria or just have an Igbo connection what was the whole connection link there with your name Chika? Yeah, you so mind. though I've been to every state in Ipo land except for one, and I've been to Ipo land a couple of times and um, have a close Ipo friend for oof, almost t- over 20 years, um, have received the title from an Ipo organization. I did not get my Ipo name when I went to Ipo land. Um, the way I got the name Chica, so my full name is Only Love, um, which my mother and my aunt gave me, like the phrase, I only love you. My last name, Alston, is the name of a town in England where the people moved to America, and they they were one of the top 10 slave-owning families in America. And then my name, Chica, which my family, that's the name my family calls me, that name came from my father. And it was originally because I had these big cheeks, and he said I look like a chickmunk, and so it got shortened to Chica, but as I grew up and as I started researching the tribes of Israel, I came across the name Chika. And like you said, it can translate to God is supreme or God is above all or God is above any physician. And I said, wow, I didn't know this name, this nickname from my family meant this, but now I um, work the most among Igbos as far as prophetic whirlwind and supporting ministries, going to minister there, meeting essays. Um, I'm a part of the organization for Igbo Hebrew Cultural Heritage International, Orichi, um, based in a number of works throughout Igbo land to preserve the biblical culture of the Igbos under Rabbi Garvel Oguga. Also um, um, is working to give out, um, what is it, microfinance loans so groups of Igbos can start businesses and also do large-scale agriculture farming um, and really embedding it in the the, the Torah and really um, teaching Igbos to remember that they have a biblical heritage. And so I'm honored to, you know, work with that organization because it's what I research, you know, the Lost Tribes, and it's also organizing and helping the community. But um, when my mom, when the oldest patriarch in my mo- mother's family was tested, his DNA did go back to Nigeria. And um, I have many cousins. Um, I have a cousin who's been welcomed back to Nigeria. Well, two, actually. One DNA tested and he just actually got back. We were nervous about him traveling. But when I did my DNA test, I'm over half Nigerian. And so my father now jokes that, you know, it must have been, you know, divine providence that he gave me this name. And he just laughs when I'm in Nigeria texting him 
because it's almost like the name he gave me spoke a destiny over my life. So that's how I got the name Chica. Wow, that's as beautiful. I love that. Um, Chica is a very beautiful name. And who would have thought, like, I, I was just smiling all throughout. Your name is Thank beautiful. You. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, so what's your program for women? Do you have any special program you target towards, you know, women, like empowerment yes, and all so that? so as I started um, studying the Lost Tribes of Israel in Africa, and I already knew, you know, from having, like, friends from certain tribes, like the Evo tribe, the Ashanti tribe, where women had, um, before colonialism and slavery, women had high roles. And also, you know, the blackness of the Bible has been covered up and lied about, but also women's roles in the Bible have been covered up and um, lied about. So many of us read Genesis 2 and we or Genesis 3 and we read about God making woman a helpmate. But that translation is not completely accurate because in the Hebrew, the term is Ezer Kenegdo, which means spiritual power opposite, but corresponding to man or like someone who rescues and saves your life. So in the 1600s, when the King James Bible was being written, a helper was like an emergency responder, a police officer, a firefighter, um, someone who saves your life. And the people back then knew that. But now we think of a helper as an assistant you know, as someone who just kind of helped you out. But actually, Ezer is only used in two instances in the Bible when it's describing God saving the children of Israel from destruction or when it's used to describe woman. And so an Ezer is someone who saves your life. And Kenegdo means facing but opposite. So it kind of means um, women and men are both human, but they, they are opposite but it doesn't mean one is lower than the other. So when I learned this, I started teaching about the Ezer Kenegdo and the Ashet Hayel, which is Hebrew for the vir- what we call the virtuous woman, but it's really the mighty warrior or woman of valor because virtue is like power. When the woman of, with the issue of blood touched the hem of Yahshua's garment, he said the virtue left him. He didn't mean like his kindness left him. He meant his power left him. And so when I started learning these things, I began to teach um, ancient Hebraic womanhood courses online, which are on my website, where we take archetypes from of women from the Torah. Um, Sarah, who was actually a princess and then a queen mother, the Ezra Kenegdo, like what did God originally mean women to be? And the Proverbs 31 woman, the Ashet Hayel, the mighty warrior. We take those lessons from scripture We uncover what the word is actually saying about women, and then we give leadership tips. And I did these courses online, but I also did it for my previous job with the largest faith-based organizing network in the world called Faith in Action, where we train women organizers from admin staff, lobbyists, um, women ministers, women um, who are volunteering in faith organizing to use, you know, what the scripture truly says about women to advance their leadership. And as a result of that, 
many um, women, especially Black and Latina women, are now leading in, in faith in action. And I also did that training for the Women's Equality Network. I trained a room full of politicians and labor organizers on the Ezra Conegdo as a leadership model and wrote articles about it. And even went to, um, when I went to Nigeria, to Iboland, I taught um, these lessons at some of the um, the con- the Sabbath congregations in Ebo land and also um, up to the Sethwe Jews of Ghana to those women. So there is now um, weekly Wailing Women prayer calls that we've been doing since um, 2015, where women get together, myself, um, Prophetess Deborah Micken, Minister Audrey Farrell, um, Sister Kadasha, we, a group of us get to and women call from all over and we just pray once a week for our people all over the world for our African, our black people all over the world, whatever issue it is, whether it's COVID, whether it's, um, you know, Fulani killings, whether it's police brutality, whether it's trafficking, we pray about the meat and then we take individual prayer requests. So those are some of the things that we have for women. And I hope to launch another course for women where we look at prophets. Deborah, Queen Esther, and in Prophetess Hulda as an examples of leadership. It's very important for me that everything that Prophetic Worldwind is um, putting out, people can use it for their everyday life, for their leadership, for their job, for their family, their ministry, and that um, we're always thinking about our people um, all over the world. Wow, this is beautiful. I, I am I'm so proud of you. Like this is so inspiring. I just if if I don't even know what to say, I lack words, but I'm I'm so happy with this program you have for women. I feel I feel inspired right now and I've learned a whole lot from this our conversation. Do you have like a book? You, I, I, you mentioned earlier you have a book. Tell us about your book, your podcast, and the online courses that you talked about, just so um, someone listening to us will be able to keep in touch and also get his or her life more blessed and gain more information from what you Thank have to you offer. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blessing being on. So the book is called Prophetic Worldwind Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, and it's on Amazon in print or Kindle. You can visit my website, propheticworldwind.com, and get a link to the book. There's also a study with Prophetic Worldwind page where you can enroll in the classes. There's a media page with articles, podcasts, and videos where you can learn more about Lost Tribes of Israel in Africa or the Bible and justice or women and scripture. And we also have a, um, a YouTube channel where you can learn, you can see some of my travels to Hebrew tribes in Africa. You can see some of the classes as well on the channel. Just type in Prophetic Worldwind on YouTube. You can also look up Prophetic Worldwind on Twitter under Prophetic World and um, on Instagram and Facebook is Prophetic Worldwind, where I try to post throughout the week, you know, scriptures and encouragement and resources. And you can find out about any events or classes there. And um, if you want to email me, you can email me at info at propheticworldwind.com. And the Wailing Women prayer call is every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But 
Um, we do it on Zoom or free conference calls so people in other countries can join. And if you want to enroll in um, the Wailing Women call, you just go to Wailing Women Prayer on the website. You'll see the tab for that. And the fourth, the next book will be Prophetic World One Volume 2, Uncovering the Woman's Biblical Destiny. Wow, I'm, I'm so impressed. Thank you so much, Chica, for being here. You talked about a whole lot and I've learned so much. And of course, whoever that is listening right now, I know that his life, his or her life is going to be blessed because like, I'm so happy. Thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for what you're doing, just inspiring people at this time. And thank you so much for reaching out to me. If you noticed, I kept on shouting, wow, 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 during that conversation because it was so eye-opening and I hope that you learned a whole lot. If you want to learn more about the courses that she offers and also purchase her book, I'm going to leave the link to her website in the description box um, so you can definitely go and check her out and also her social media platforms just in case you want to stay connected to her right after this interview because she's an amazing person and she has so much more to share and I really hope that one of these days I will have her again on this podcast to discuss another angle to all these things that she talked about because it was like mind-blowing so that's it guys over to the second segment which is the reality check segment if this is your first time the reality check segment is a segment where we basically check up on each other so what i do is um if you have something you um maybe a problem or an issue you're going through you can send me a mail and of course if you want to keep yourself anonymous you can just you know mention i should keep you anonymous i get to read it out here on the podcast prefer my own advice and also urge other members of the community to also giving their own opinions and if it's something you also need someone to agree with you in prayer you can also send that to me and we'll definitely look into that okay so for the reality check segment um we're going to be doing something different today so i am in this group chat and someone sent this message and wanted to know our opinion on it and i'm going to read it out it's so hilarious at the same time it's not so hilarious but i'm just going to read it out so there was nothing at home, no money in account, and the children were hungry. He started thinking of a way out. Who can I reach out to in this lockdown period? It's a serious issue. He felt embarrassed that his family could not eat properly. As he was scrolling on his phone, then he found his ex-lover's number. Old memory came and he decided to send a funny message as thus. My wife that ran away with another rich man. Tell your husband to send 2,000 naira because he snatched my wife. After a minute, the lady replied as thus. Tell me you don't have money, old husband. Husband. Then he replied, yes, I don't have money. Just send something. In a nutshell, the lady sent 20,000 naira into his account instantly. He jumped up, took his master card to the nearest ATM and withdrew. He gave his wife 10,000 naira and kept the remaining. He lied to her that a friend sent the money. She bought foodstuffs and prepared food. He was eating and left his phone on the TV when a message came from his ex asking if he had seen the money. His wife saw the message. She took time to read the previous messages. Now his wife suspended everything. She decided to be starved rather than eat from the food. He tried to explain but all in vain. What's part of it is that she instructed the children not to taste or touch the food. Now the questions are, is the man justified? Is the woman right with her action? How can the situation be handled? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, I'm just going to give my opinion and again, this is my opinion and what I feel um, is the right thing and who is at fault and all that. And then you can also definitely leave your opinions. You can either send it to me as a male or you can also reach out on our Instagram handle at the underscore calm underscore down underscore podcast where I'll be posting a snippet of this segment and you can drop your opinions there as well. So personally one, I feel like the man is not at fault. Let me explain. So the man, his intentions initially, like they were so right. He didn't like the fact that there was no money in the house and the children were hungry. So he decided to get something from the ex. And in this situation, the ex is a friend, right? Not an enemy. So I don't see anything wrong with him going to ask for the ex for money and also um, not updating his wife on that. But I feel like also why he didn't tell his wife he actually did that is because maybe he knows his wife, right? And maybe he knows that if he tells his wife that kind of information, she is not going to like it. But again, I also feel like he should have told her because, you know, just for transparency purposes, I always say this like... If you're in a relationship or if you are married or something and issues about your ex start creeping up or maybe your ex takes another entrance into your life trying to kind of penetrate his way in, you should discuss it with your partner so that when it starts to escalate, he knows. So it won't be as if, oh, so you're still communicating with him or her and it starts to cause a lot of issues. So I don't see anything wrong with what the man did. You know, the way he asked for the money. The only thing I see that was wrong in what he did was him at least not telling his wife. But then again, I was like, "Mm, maybe if he had told his wife and all that. But if I'm the wife, I wouldn't really like act up that way. Except if the man probably has... um, a history with um kind of like women so the woman is feeling you know naturally you feel insecure what if he goes back to the ex and all that so that's my opinion and i'd love to hear yours i'm not going to vent all mine out i'd love to hear yours first so you can definitely do it this way go to the instagram handle at v underscore calm underscore down underscore podcast um you can send me a direct message on the podcast handle i'm going to leave the link in the description box tell me what your opinion is or you can actually send a mail i'd love to hear what you think about the issue so finally to the last segment which is the common sense rules segment yes ah there's something that has been bothering my mind and i just have to come here and talk to you guys about it so this issue is the issue of people that see somebody's baby oh my god the baby is so cute and then you carry the baby and you begin to kiss the baby on the forehead on on the eyes why why what is it it's not your baby for god's sake it's not your baby okay forget the fact that you know research has shown that um babies are more likely to get herpes infection when you kiss them especially if you have a cold sore on your lips forget that one first but why will you carry a baby that is not yours and you're giving the baby pecs all over the face who are you what is your problem please it is not courteous at all i saw this um article on online and a picture of a baby that had a swollen eye and it was a herpes infection and it happened right after someone paid a visit to the house and kissed the baby stop it it doesn't make sense at all do not kiss a baby that is not yours if you want a baby go get yours you know what to do to get a baby but please don't stop kissing people's babies it doesn't make sense at all so that's all for the common sense rule segment and that is all for this segment like i'm so happy i don't know why i'm high but yeah I'm just so happy that um, we are now at 17 episodes and like we are almost at 20 episodes of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you for always listening. Thank you for just being amazing. I don't take that for granted at all.
If you love my content and would love to support me and encourage me in my content creation journey, I have a special offer for you once you become a patron of this podcast, the Countdown Podcast. And this special offer lasts till June 24. And I highly, highly advise that you jump on this offer. This offer is to advertise your business or your services for free on the Countdown Podcast. So all you have to do is to become a patron and then you unlock this special offer. I'm going to be leaving a link to my patron account in the description box so you can definitely check it out. And of course, join and become a patron of this podcast and have your business or your services advertised for free. This podcast has reached in 20 plus countries. And not just that, when you become a patron, there are tons of benefits. And I know sometimes you've probably wondered what the behind the scenes of making an episode is like. Trust me, sometimes it can be so tiring, it can be so frustrating, but because I just um, want to add value to you, I just want to serve you, it's one of the things that keep me going. So some special offers that you enjoy once you become a patron of this podcast, um, once you support by becoming a patron of this podcast, are one, you get access to behind the scenes production of this podcast you love. That means you get to see my script, the script I'm using to record where I scribble all the ideas and just show you my content creation journey or, you know, process to create creating a particular episode. Another benefit you get to have is a special shout out. So how would that make you feel to, you know, get a shout out of the podcast, also briefly talk about you and how amazing you are. So that is another benefit that you get. The third benefit that you get is early access to new episodes days or weeks before being published. Like... Do you know what that means? So what that actually means is that, for instance, this interview that I um, recorded with Only Love Austin, who was our guest on episode 17 of the podcast, for instance, that means that if that um, I record something like that, you get to have an early access to it. If maybe I want to post it or I want to share that content two months um, later, you get to listen to it two months earlier so you have early access to all the content that i create fourthly you have access to my monthly podcast calendar so i get to organize everything all the guests that i want to have on my podcast you know my content strategies and all that you get not just to have a sneak peek you see everything you just see what goes on behind the scenes another benefit is you get 30 percent off all my services if you want to see all the services that i render like i can help you start your own podcast i will guide you through starting your own podcast or you have a podcast and you need someone to audit it and you know let you know what you're not doing right and also how to position yourself properly and also voiceovers the link to all my services will be in the description box so you can definitely check them out for that all these services that i offer you get 30 percent off automatically as a patron as a huge supporter of this podcast and again you can be live with me on an episode of this podcast so what that means is you know i said earlier i'll send you episodes right before they are published so let's say for instance i want to have a guest on the podcast and i tell you has a patron that I want to have this guest and this is what we're going to discuss. If you have an input or something that you would love to contribute, you just have to record it. I'll tell you how you can record it and send it to me and I'll put it. It will be in a live episode that will be published across all podcast listening platforms and apps. There are so many access there are so many opportunities and so many benefits you get when you become a patron of this countdown podcast so if you really want to support like i said earlier and become a patron click the link in the description box and i cannot wait to serve you like i cannot even wait at all (music) 
Thank you so much for listening to this point. I hope you learned a whole lot. If you want to receive updates on new episodes, you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking the link in the description box. We are also on social media. You can follow the Countdown podcast on Instagram at the underscore calm underscore down underscore podcast. And you can like our Facebook page at the Countdown podcast and also join our Facebook group Countdown podcast community. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at viola underscore ekene v-i-o-l-a underscore e-k-e-n-e so is there anything bothering you that you need my opinion and that of the community on before making a decision for the reality check segment please please send a mail to ekeneviola at gmail.com e-k-e-n-e-v-i-o-l-a ekeneviola at gmail.com or send a direct message to our podcast instagram handle at the calm down podcast that is v underscore calm underscore down underscore podcast you can also check out my blog at www.iswordmybeauty.com again www.iswordmybeauty.com for amazing beauty lifestyle and interview contents this podcast is also available to listen on apple google podcast spotify pocket cast breaker radio public listening notes and other podcast listening platforms out there once again i'm your host viola ekene thank Thank you so much for listening and love you.